0: Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. This is John, aka Andaluso24, host of the Al Ghaiba podcast. I'm back to you today with episode 6 of my program called Death of Al Hassan Askari. In this episode, we will learn about the events preceding the death of the 11th Shia Imam and ultimately his death. Subscribe to the podcast to not miss an episode. going back the past two episodes regarding imam al-askari we know that the imam had exercised attempts to neutralize both his internal enemies among the shia and his external enemies from the turkish generals in control of the abbasid state the attempts manifested themselves both through violent action and divine aid aka god's help Thus, the result naturally would be a more peaceful environment for Imam Al Askari to propagate his da'wa in the open, and the Imam appearing widely in public with his Shia. However, the exact opposite happened. In the Al-Astibs, استب by Shaykh Tusi, Imam Al Askari's companion Muhammad ibn Abd al Jabbar al qummi writes to Imam Al Askari about a certain fiqh matter. And ends his letter with a very interesting comment. And I quote We request your opinion. May Allah preserve your glory. And ask the scholars around you regarding this. And let us know of the opinion about this matter. So we can apply it if God wills. End quote. And 12 verse shias. The Imam's word is authoritative. It needs not to be backed by scholarly opinion, as the Imam's knowledge is considered the word of God itself, and above human knowledge and understanding. This request could not be viewed as simply perhaps the incorrect understanding of a recently converted Shi'i, as the narrator is described in Ma'jam Rijal al-Hadith by Ayatullah al-Khū'i in the following manner, and I quote. Muhammad ibn Abd al Jabbar narrated from Imam al Hadi and Imam al Askari. And it is said he was a servant to Imam al Askari and asked him many questions. His name occurs in the Isnad of many reports narrated back to Ahlul Bayt, the total number of these reports reaching 900, 927 reports in the four books of Shiism. Quote. It thus becomes evident that the narrator not only was a companion of both al Hadi and al Askari, but well, he was a prolific narrator who was a servant of Imam al Askari, And being a narrator means the narrator had, had lived with the Imam at one point, <coughs> and spent all his time from morning to night with the Imam. Muhammad ibn Abd jabbar could not be unaware that the status of the Imam was not equal to that of scholars. His request thus would not be without basis from the Imam himself. That is, the Imam delegated certain powers to the scholars around him, in other words, those close to him, except that the Imam is above them. Hence, Ibn Abd al-Jabbar asks for the Imam's opinion first, before the scholars. A demonstration of this would be in the following hadith in Al-Kafi. Al-Umari wa-ibnahu thiqatan. Fama ilayka wa ma wa ma qala, لك فَعَنِّي يَقُولًا فَأَسْمِعْ لَهُمَا وَأَطِعْهُمَا فَإِنَّهُمَ الثِقَتَانِ الْمَأْمُنَانِ فَهَاذَا قَوْلُ إِمَامَيْنِي قَدْ مَضِيهَ فِيكَ And I quote, Abu Muhammad al said, Al-Amri and his son are two thika, meaning trustworthy individuals. Whatever they carry out regarding you, in other words implementing laws, in my name, then they truly carry it, carry it out in my name, and whatever they tell you, narrating it from me, then they truly narrate, then they truly tell you, narrating it from me. So hear them and obey them, for they are the two entrusted tiqs." End quote. Hearing and obeying this course, Uthman ibn Saeed Al Amri and his son Muhammad, was made obligatory by Imam Al Askari. Their judgment and word was made equal by the imam to his judgment and word. They became the public face of the imam and their status is immense because their religious judgment could not be wrong as it equals the judgment and word of the imam and is absolutely binding on the Shia. The judgment of the scholars around the imam, in other words, those close to him received divine sanction thus it would not be improper for the Imam to ask this is in line with the quran in surah yunus when it says and i quote if you o prophet are in doubt about these stories that we have revealed to you then ask those who read the scripture before you in other words the kitab scholars the truth has certainly come to you from your lord so do not be those do not be one of those who doubt the Ahl kitab scholars, the Prophet was commanded to inquire from if and doubts, in doubt, were entrusted by Allah to implement his judgments, as in Surah al-Ma'idah. And I quote, So too did the rabbis and scholars judge according to Allah's book, with which they were entrusted and of which they were made keepers. End quote. This is despite the fact that the Prophet had divine revelation, so he wouldn't need to confirm with the Ahl kitab and despite the fact that the Ahlul Kitab scholars are fallible and susceptible to corruption. As we learn now, the Imam had delegated his public status, judgment, and words to trusted deputies from scholars that are close to him, and he trusted their personal opinions, as evident by him being requested to ask them. However, the question remains, the Imam was now living in relative peace after danger was staved off from some of his uh, serious enemies. So who exactly among his Shia did the Imam meet up with? In That answer becomes more clear to us. We get a report of a group of Shia coming to see Imam al-Askari in his house. And yet, despite the more peaceful overall conditions Imam al-Askari was living in, he speaks to them behind a curtain Acting as a barrier or hijab, such that they can hear his voice but not see his face. It thus becomes increasingly clear that the Shia of Imam al Askari were divided into a hierarchy of three classes. <clears throat> Number one, the first class is those with direct, uncensored contact with the Imam, and these are his servants, his deputies, and the fuqaha closest to him. It is possible for a person to occupy all three tasks. These people, their loyalty is unquestionable. In other words, the first class consists of the Imam's inner circle. And as discussed above, an example would be Uthman al-Amri and his son Muhammad. (coughs) Number two, those allowed to have restricted access to the Imam, they are Shia of high standing in their community and a demonstrable level of authority. The imam commi- <coughs> communicates with them via letter and allows some of them to visit him physically with a barrier <coughs> in between. They can hear his voice but not see him as demonstrated in the Manaqib ibn Shub Hadith. A number of them were also deputies of the imam in respective regions. It is possible for this class of companions to defect or apostate, unlike the first class. Number three, the ordinary layman shia. They, this class follows deputies assigned to their regions by the imam and the leading fuqaha of the village, city or region whom may or may not have endorsement from the imam or deputy of the region. This class of laymen Shia, their religious literacy is subpar, so they may be easily persuaded by the deputies or fuqaha. If the scholar or deputy becomes a deviant, the popular masses of ordinary laymen Shia will also follow his deviancy an example of which happened to the people of Nishapur deviating the era of Imam Ali al-Hadi when the prolific scholar and companion for Imams Al-Fadl ibn Shahdan deviated, as evident in previous episodes. As mentioned, the third class, whom are the laymen of the Shia, are quite an easily influenced class. Thus, a hierarchy of knowledge is assigned to help them assigned to them to help ensure they do not fall from the ranks of orthodox imami shi'i. And so, the first of this class are the deputies of uncensored direct contact with the imam, such as Uthman ibn Saeed al-Amri and his son Muhammad, whose words, action and judgment equal that of the imam. And the second of this class the narrators of a hadith, homework, the imams, hujjah, or representatives over the people of the Shia, and the imam had communicated with them through books, or in other words letter, or written communication. And this communication with the imam gave them direct knowledge to derive their rulings from, but this These rulings were based on ijtihad, personal reasoning, not direct orders. Hence Imam al Askari says, as mentioned in al-ehtijaj by tabrasi, وَأَمَّا الْحَوَادِثِ الْوَاقِعَ فَارْجِعُوا فِيهَا إِلَىٰ رُوَاتِ حَدِيثِنَا فِإِنَّمْ حُجَّةِ عَلَيْكُمْ حَجَّةُ اللَّهُ And I quote, as for the events that occur, seek the knowledge in them in those who narrate our hadith, as they are my hujjah over you and I am the hujjah of Allah." End quote. But as the narrators of hadith are fallibles, who do not act exclusively per divine instruction but through their personal reasonings, the imams have set guidelines in accepting their judgment and reasoning from these narrators of a hadith, if they differ, such as memorization of a hadith it is reported in al Kafi من, من أربعين الله يوم القيامة فقيهاً. And I quote Whomever memorizes from our ahadith 40 hadith, Allah will resurrect him on the day of judgment as a knowledgeable jurist End quote Remembering hadith you memorize when formulating a judgment will allow you to use it To come to a well informed conclusion regarding religious matter. Hence, the Imam emphasized on this trait. The Imams within us. Another example the hadith narrated by these hadith narrators must confirm to the Quran and Sunnah, as reported in the following Al Kafi hadith, and I quote. I asked about Abdullah al about the differences in hadith narrated by whom we trust and whom we don't trust. He said, if a hadith comes to you and you have found a witness to it from the book of Allah and the word of the Prophet, then take upon it. Otherwise, the one who has brought it to you is more worthy of it. And another example is, the most knowledgeable narrator of hadith has presidents. As evident Al-Kafi, and I quote, they must look for one among you who have narrated our hadith and have studied what, it is, what is lawful and unlawful in our teachings and have learned our laws they must agree to settle their dispute according to his judgment because I have made him over you ruler. Meaning Imam al-Sadiq makes the narrator of Hadith as a ruler over the Shia because of the knowledge he learns from the Imams which he derives his rulings from. A ruler meaning someone who judges among the people so let me continue, when Imam al continues saying, when he may judge according to our commands and then it is not accepted from him the dissenting, this judgment has ignored the command of Allah and it is rejection of us, rejecting us is rejecting Allah and that is up to the level of paganism and considering things equal to Allah, end quote, and if two narrators dispute, the Imam responds, and I quote, "The judgment will be the judgment of the one who has a more just, having more better understanding of the law fiqh, the more just, truthful in hadith, the more pious of the two. The judgment of the other one will be disregarded." And I quote, end quote. And third, the fuqaha who did not narrate hadith, many of whom are mentioned in Rijal tusi under the bab of men lam yarubi anhum those who did not narrate from them There is much talk on the hadith narrators, their virtues and status. Some reached a status so great that whenever they complained to the imam, the imam took fierce initiatives to solve their issue. Such as, as mentioned in Al-Taqib fil-Manaqib, when a narrator, Muhammad ibn Hajr, wrote to Imam al-Askari complaining about individuals named Abdul Aziz ibn Abi Delf and Yazid ibn Abdullah, the Imam responded in a letter to Muhammad ibn Hajr that he had spared Abdul Aziz, but Yazid was killed, presumably from the Imam's du'a. Regardless, the first class of the deputies and fuqaha to the Imam have the Imam's greatest trust and greatest responsibility had been assigned to them. One of those figures who read these responsibilities is Muhammad Ibn Ali Shalmaghani, a very controversial figure whom we learn from future episodes and whom I had written a booklet about. As we learned in the last episode, the Qaim is of the progeny of al Hassan al-Askari and his birth was kept a secret. However, what were some steps Imam al-Askari undertook to assign responsibility over his newborn son Muhammad to the first class? Ash al mentions in his book Kitab al-Ausiyah written when he was on a straight path and recognized by Imam al-Mahdi's third deputy that Nasr, a servant of Imam al-Askari, was ordered by Imam al-Askari to buy meat every day for Imam al-Askari's household after the Mahdi was born, so as to feed the newborn. However, as reported in another hadith in Kitab al-Usiyah, it seems that Imam al-Askari wanted, wanted to give a precursor of a 12th Imam to his first-class companions. So he introduced his firstborn, Al-Husayn ibn al-Hasan al-Askari and asked them to slaughter a ram in his honor. However, Al-Husayn died an infant, and afterwards Al-Qa'im was born, and Imam Al-Askari asked him to slaughter two rams in his honor, indicating that this son is his successor. To conclude, it seems that Imam Al-Askari's era was chiefly centered on preparing the Shia for the hidden Imam that will come after him. He would be hidden in a way similar to Al-Askari, with a hierarchy system similar to that of Al-Askari, and also similar to that of Al-Hadi. On the 8th of Rabia al-Awwal, 260 AH, January 1, 874 CE, Imam Al-Askari passed away. A curly-haired, dark-skinned boy prayed over him, and he was the Qa'im, as discussed in the previous episode. The Qa'im inherited a deliberate hierarchy, system, organization perpetuated by his father, Al Askari, in order to protect the Imami da'wah, both in terms of having a loyal cadre of scholars to be the 12th Imam's closest and reliable deputies, ensuring the safety of the 12th Imam, because of the era that will now usher the era of Al Ghaiba Sukhra, the lower occultation. And with that, we are done with episode 6, Death of Al-Hassan al-Askari. But before jumping into Al-Ghaybah Surah, I will launch a mini-series consisting of two or three episodes on aspects of the life of Imam al which would be crucial to understand before we jump to the ghaybah period. May Allah bless you all, and I hope this was a beneficial lesson. as